You are engines! Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now, your host, the editor in chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Jim Paris here with you. Uh, tonight, we are live from Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, really excited to be here. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about Nashville, my first impressions and all of that. But we want to start tonight with the uh, tragic news of the death of Suzanne Summers. She died at the age of 76, uh, it was reported today, and apparently the cause of death was breast cancer, a battle that she was fighting for over 20 years. And uh, age 76, I think uh, too young, and uh, it is interesting, I guess, being, I'm going to be 59 in January and starting to see all of the uh, TV stars of my day when I was growing up, uh, seeing them starting to pass. And Suzanne Summers was an extremely talented uh, actress. Uh, I believe she was also a singer. And uh, she was a real expert on health. And uh, I remember, you know, for years hearing her on different talk shows, uh, she had a number of books out on health topics. And uh, man, I uh, just can't believe she she looked fantastic uh, all the way to the end. Suzanne Summers uh, passing today at the age of 76. So I am here in Nashville, Tennessee, and where I actually am is in a small town just north of Nashville. It's called Gallatin, Tennessee. And what's so interesting about this town, there's so many things I want to talk about, but one of the things is that there is a Facebook data center here in this town. And this is just like a massive complex. Uh, I was taken over there today just to see it from the outside perimeter, just a massive Facebook complex. And I know when they do, when they set up these so-called server farms, they want to have those uh, servers in different locations. So they have redundancy and backups and all of that. And that's probably what this is, but uh, just interesting to see this massive Facebook complex right out here in the country, uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere. But I'm really enjoying Nashville. I'm enjoying the change of the weather. And why am I here? The reason I'm in Nashville is because uh, I'm here spending time with my fiance. And uh, we, as you know, the story, I mentioned it on the last broadcast, uh, we knew each other from growing up in a suburb of Chicago. And then we reconnected and uh, now we're planning to get married. So I'm just uh, excited to uh, come here and see her little town and where she worships and uh, her, you know, just her whole community here. And what's neat about this town is there's it just literally from your driveway to any location, whether you're going to the gym, going to the grocery store, going to a restaurant, everything's like five minutes, 10 minutes away. And people are so super friendly. I've been uh, uh, working during the week at just some different coffee shops where I do my writing and I work in uh, my mortgage business and just have been able to uh, 
introduce myself and meet uh, a lot of people, but Nashville is an interesting place. So there's, there's the country kind of outskirts of Nashville, which is where I am right now. And then there's the city, um, and sort of half, halfway between. And by the way, if you hear a dog barking here and there, there are three dogs here and I don't really have a way to sequester myself to have a, a quiet studio. So you'll just have to tolerate that for the next two or three episodes as we broadcast here from Nashville. But Halfway between uh, sort of the downtown Nashville zone and kind of being way out here in the country is a town called Hendersonville. And I had an opportunity yesterday to go to Hendersonville and see some of the sites. And I also went to Franklin, Tennessee, which is a cute little town, uh, just completely the other side of Nashville. But Hendersonville was neat because I got to see the uh, home site of Johnny Cash And I put a film of that up on my Facebook page. And what's interesting about that, apparently uh, the home was purchased in 2005 by Andy Gibb of the Bee Gees. And then during the renovations, the home actually burned down. So I guess someone else has purchased it. So the main home is gone, but there's some other buildings. And man, is it a beautiful spot right on a a big lake and uh, just was just kind of gave me chills to be able to see uh, the home site of Johnny Cash just minutes from where I'm broadcasting tonight, uh, you know, over in Hendersonville, Tennessee. So I'm enjoying Tennessee, um, visiting different churches, um, and, and went to, a you know, one of the, the large churches here in town this week. Last week went to a smaller uh, church in town, just uh, checking it out. And a lot of people are asking me, are you moving to Tennessee? I don't know. Um, I'm at least going to be spending a lot of time here, even if I don't end up living here full time, uh, looking forward to making this at least my second home. So if you're somebody that is in the Nashville area and you want to get in touch, uh, in particular, if you're someone that uh, wants to talk about mortgages or real estate, any of that, uh, get in touch with me. You can send me uh, a message uh, on Facebook or you can send me an email the email that goes directly to my phone is jameslparis at gmail.com. In particular, if you're a real estate agent, a real estate investor, just an individual that's looking to buy a home, uh, I'd love to uh, chat with you about your goals. And uh, I am uh, still working in the uh, mortgage industry as a loan officer, and uh, I can help you if that is something that you're looking at. I'm also um, considering just doing kind of a generic meetup. Uh, and I'm going to base that on how many people want to do it. So, and I don't really know where I would do it, probably at some kind of a coffee shop or something like that. Just like, Hey, let's meet up. There's no ticket or cost. We'll just meet up and we'll just talk about whatever everybody wants to talk about. Okay. So I've been watching the news. Honestly, I have been just really sick to my stomach, uh, thinking about the, the commentary that is going on regarding this war between Israel and Hamas. And what is really disturbing about it is they're, they're not doing a good job of reporting what is really happening. And, and I want to make sure that everybody knows what Hamas has actually done. What they have done is they've launched an attack on Israel, and they literally have gone house to house, pulling families out of their homes in many cases, killing the entire family. In other cases, kidnapping the family. Apparently, there are hundreds of hostages 
we know, I think that at least 26 Americans, I think it is, um, have died uh, in the attack. Um, it's, it's horrific what has happened. And this goes against every rule of the Geneva Convention, the, the standard rules of war where uh, targeting of civilians is not permitted. They are also beginning to execute these hostages, which of course goes against the rules of war of the Geneva Convention. Uh, these are terrorists. No other way to um, categorize them. They're out-and-out cutthroat terrorists. These are not members of a military, of an organized country. These are terrorists. They are being funded by Iran. And one of the things that I still really am bothered by was this billions of dollars that Biden uh, released to Iran. And then what is it? Like three, four weeks later, we have this massive attack on Israel. Uh, don't tell me that there's not a connection between the release of those billions of dollars and this attack. Uh, did it directly fund it? I don't know, but it certainly raises a lot of questions about maybe it actually did uh, fund it. But in any case, what we know is that Iran is directly behind these attacks. And we've known that Iran has used Hamas as a proxy uh, for many, many years to attack Israel. This was uh, perhaps one of the largest single day attacks in the history uh, of Israel battling with Hamas. Uh, certainly, we would have to go back to something like the uh, the, the war between Israel and Egypt or something like that to find something of this scale. Uh, but one of the questions that I continue to ask is, how do we let Iran talk about this conflict in the third person as if they're not part of this? They are clearly part of it. They're clearly funding it. They're clearly providing the weaponry. And I don't know um, why there's so much restraint, both on the part of the United States and Israel, in not hitting back directly uh, at Iran. The only thing that I have seen happen is supposedly we have refrozen these billions of dollars uh, that we have given, that we had recently given uh, to Iran. We've, re we've refrozen that. And uh, I'm not really sure that that was much of a response at all. Uh, but uh, just tragic what's happening. Um, listen to a lot of Bible prophecy people this week trying to figure out, you know, what does this mean in light of Bible prophecy? Uh, nobody is coming out saying this is the Ezekiel 38 war or this is a specific event in Bible prophecy. But what they are saying is that this certainly is part of the birth pangs. It is part of the lead up. Uh, to these major military conflicts, which are part of Bible prophecy. Uh, okay, so one of the questions, switching gears back into the world of, of finance and real estate, and uh, one of the things I've been addressing in some of my shorter videos is the question people have been asking, which is, do I buy a house now or do I wait for interest rates to drop? And so we go back to this theme that I have had for a few weeks now, which is that you're, you're marrying the house, but you're only dating the interest rate. And what do we mean by that? What we're talking about is if you wait for rates to go back down, then real estate's going to jump back up. So your smartest move is to buy the house you want to get now at the lower price than where it's going to be in a few months or in a year or two, buy that house now. 
And then what you're going to do is refinance that loan in a year or two. And then you're going to have the best of both worlds. You're going to have a good low interest rate and you're going to have the house that you want. Now, if you want to really be smart, there's a way to do it's called a temporary buy down. This is where you can actually use part of your closing costs to have a lower payment for the first year or even two years of owning that house. That allows you to get into the house that you want now and still have a payment that's based on a lower interest rate. And that's something that I can help you with if you want to reach out to me. If you're a realtor, I can also help you to structure deals like that. Uh, so this, this brought up an interesting question. I was doing some reading this afternoon about real estate prices and the two states that we hear about all the time, right, are Texas in Florida. And and so even in Texas and Florida, where real estate has been hot, where we've seen like over the last maybe two years or three years, in some areas, real estate has gone up by 30, 35% in Texas and Florida. Um, but now we're seeing the prices softening a little bit. But one of the things that people are doing is they're actually getting out of Florida and getting out of Texas, and they're moving to areas that are more affordable. And this article is specifically referring to North Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, and South Carolina. So these are the new areas that people are moving to from Florida and Texas, or just skipping the whole process of moving to Florida and Texas altogether and just going to these southern states that are less expensive. Now, you've got to be careful, though, because whenever you talk about real estate in these terms, in these just very general terms, um, it doesn't always uh, tell you what's going on. So, for example, here in the greater Nashville area, from what I have looked at, houses are probably a good 20% higher than they are where I live, which is near uh, Daytona Beach area. Um, so it, it can be uh, a little bit misleading when you kind of lump, quote unquote, real estate prices into these baskets of different states. And um, I'm still dealing with a little bit of the post-COVID uh, cough, and it sometimes kicks up a little bit at night where I've got that dry cough, but uh, pretty much over that. Uh, but it is interesting to look at, at at these areas. And one of the tools I like to use is Realtor.com, which will allow you to create a map view, and you can expand that or shrink that down. And just take a look at uh, large areas to see where real estate prices really are. Um, but again, I don't know that I would necessarily agree, for example, that everywhere in North Carolina is affordable because I know that's not the case. I know in Tennessee, there's some more expensive property in Tennessee than where I live in Northeast Florida. Um, the same thing in Georgia. No, near Atlanta is super expensive. Some areas like Blue Ridge, Georgia, uh, which is a bedroom community of Atlanta, has really taken off in value. Uh, South Carolina, um, you know, maybe again, maybe some areas uh, that are less expensive. So maybe some areas that are more expensive. Um, but but one of the things that uh, certainly seems to be the, the overall trend that no one is disagreeing with is people are moving from the northern states to the southern states. People are moving from the blue states to the red states. And that continues to be the case. And that's not just individuals, but it's also corporate uh, relocations as well. So this is, I, I find this whole um, 
sort of market analysis really fascinating. And I am currently in the process of looking at homes to purchase in uh, Northeast Florida and also here in Tennessee. And I'm uh, just curious, maybe throwing this out to the audience, uh, where would you say is the most affordable Southern state to live and be specific. Tell me what city that you're talking about. And then um, I want to ask about Nashville. Where should I be looking in Nashville for the best value for my money? Uh, where should I be looking in uh, Florida, in Northern Florida, Central Florida for the best value uh, for my money? If you live in one of these states, uh, North Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, or so South Carolina, send me an email. Let me know, you know, where in those states do you see the value? Where can you get the most uh, for your money? But it is just very interesting to see sort of this migration, this reorganization of the population centers. And I'm just, I was wondering about this this afternoon. What is going to happen in, I don't know, 10 years, in 20 years to these cities like Chicago, New York City, uh, New Jersey, Boston, San Francisco, um, where, where are we going to see uh, Pittsburgh? Um, we're going to see a lot of these cities becoming ghost towns. And what you can look at are the St. Louis Federal Reserve statistics, which are showing that there is a net outflow of people from these northern states, these blue states, into uh, these southern states. And so that trend uh, looks like it's absolutely going to continue. And then we want to remind those of you that have a student loan payment. We've been talking about this for months, that the student loan forgiveness, that lost in the Supreme Court. So if you have a student loan, uh, you need to go to the government student loan financial aid website. You need to log in there. You need to see where you're, where you're at, what your balance is. Um, you need to do the 30-second paperwork online to see what your new payment is going to be. And uh, I'm hearing from a lot of people that they're finding out that their their new payment is super low, that because it's based on your income, some people don't even have a payment because their income is so low. But you do have to make a payment starting in October. And you don't want to start out by being late, having that show up on your credit report, or ending up uh, in collections or anything like that. And remember, your student loan debt uh, is not generally dischargeable dischargeable in bankruptcy and the collection tactics of the student loan people can be just as bad in some cases even worse than the irs uh so you definitely want to uh, uh take a look at at that don't ignore it don't be an ostrich stick your head in the sand and just ignore your student loans now's the time to get in there do the paperwork apply for the income-based repayment Put your income in there. See if maybe you can qualify for, for an even lower payment based on the new SAVE program. Well, this came up on my Facebook page uh, a couple of days ago, and I have been involved with Christian medical sharing now as an alternative to traditional health insurance. I've been doing this now for about 15 years, and uh, I have calculated that I have saved probably somewhere between fifty dollars and $60,000 by using Christian medical sharing compared to traditional health insurance. And it is a great uh, alternative. And if you're, if you're not familiar with it, 
you can, I've done a bunch of, of shows on this, so there's no reason to be in the dark. If you go to Blog Talk Radio and you go to my show, Jim Paris Live, uh, and you get to my show page, you'll find that I have over 800 episodes of the show. They're all searchable by topic. So you can type in there Christian medical sharing and find out a lot more about this. Uh, but in my own case, I think I've saved 50 to $60,000 using Christian medical sharing as an alternative to traditional health insurance. So I read an interesting book this week on AI, uh, artificial intelligence. And uh, I know there's a lot of people that have concerns about AI. I'm not going to get involved with AI. It's the Antichrist. I'm not going to do it. Um, Take a look at a site called ChatGPT. And uh, man, you could just write, you could type in Google, uh, you could type in, what are some things I could use chat GPT for? And it's, it's an interesting site because it's using AI and you can go in there and you can ask it questions. You can ask it to write an article. You can ask it to come up with marketing ideas for you. It's, it's amazing the prompts, as they're called, that people are coming up with that they're able to use ChatGPT as a powerful tool, if for no other reason than just to get ideas, uh, to brainstorm. And uh, I personally think ChatGPT is a fantastic tool. Um, I'm not for going as far as Elon Musk and connecting your brain to the cloud or anything crazy like that. But, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, I think it's here to stay. I think there's going to be a lot of positive uses for it. Um, and I personally am using it. And there's a lot of, you know, good new books out there. Uh, if you want to just get a crash course, I'm also noticing in my Facebook feed, I'm getting invited to a lot of seminars, a lot of workshops about artificial intelligence. Uh, so it really is interesting. Uh, once you understand the capability of this technology, all of the things that you can use it for. Uh, All right, so I want to talk a little bit about refinancing, and uh, I know that if you've had your mortgage for more than two or three years, you've probably got one of those 3% or 4% mortgages. I get that. However, one of the things that uh, you'll find uh, to be very interesting um, is it, it might still make sense to look at a total refinance, even if you end up paying two or 3% higher uh, of an interest rate on your mortgage. If you can use that money to wipe out credit cards at 20%, even 30%, I'm seeing people with credit cards, student loans, car payments, medical debt, even medical debt that has gone into collections. Um, We can do an analysis for you to show you how much money that you can save. So it's not all about the interest rate that you have on your home. You might have a 4% rate and you might be looking at a 6% or a 6.5% rate to, to redo that mortgage. But by doing that and getting access to all that equity you have and paying off all of the other high interest rate debt, you're really going to put yourself in a much better position overall. So one of the things I'm offering people is at no cost, I will uh, talk to you on the phone, we'll run the numbers and show you how much money you can save each month on your payments 
by doing a refinance. Now, one of the things people would ask me is, why not just do a, a HELOC, keep the low interest rate first mortgage, and get a new second mortgage, a home equity line of credit? Well, there's a lot of problems with that. One of the problems with that is that these HELOCs are adjustable rate mortgages, meaning that your payment uh, can go up. In, in some cases, these HELOCs, the payments can go up to like 20% or higher. You don't want that. I'm seeing people with HELOCs right now at 14%, at 15%. You don't want to borrow money that way and be at that kind of risk. Um, so what I'm recommending to a lot of people, depending on how much individual debt you have other than your mortgage, and depending on what interest rate that debt is at, uh, that you might want to look at redoing your home mortgage, getting rid of all of your other debt, all of your other payments. You wouldn't have a payment until after Christmas, and then you'd have just one low monthly payment, and all the other debt would be gone. And uh, this is a great way to boost your credit score by paying down all that revolving debt. And in some cases, we're seeing people able to save hundreds of dollars a month by doing this. Um, even in some cases, over a thousand dollars a month in payments that are being saved. Uh, by doing uh, a refinance and paying off all of the personal debts. And we'll close it out with this tonight. Social Security benefits uh, are going to uh, be adjusted by 3.2% going into 2024. Now, this is interesting because in 2023, the Social Security Administration, the so-called COLA, was 8.7%. And I believe that that was either... The, the highest ever or the second highest ever COLA. And um, they're just going to give you now 3.2% going into this year. And I don't know about you, but I, I personally, I don't see it. I don't see that there's less inflation this year than there was last year. Um, we were just up at the dollar store and bought a bag of Fritos. Uh, that's one of my dogs behind me <laughs> at my current location Wait, we have dogs here, and uh, you'll hear dogs barking on the podcast the next couple, three episodes. But in any case, we were just up at the dollar store, a bag of Fritos, you know, a large bag of Fritos. It was five bucks. And we were thinking, like, no way, there's, that can't be more than three bucks. And it was five bucks. And everything keeps going up. So I don't know what numbers the government's looking at, but everything is going up. It is surprising, though, here in Tennessee that the price of gas is actually below $3. Back home in Florida, it's almost $4. So I'm not sure why there's such a big difference. I, I've always known that, that Tennessee had, for some reason, much lower gas prices than we have in Florida. Um, but still, overall, the cost of food, the cost of gas, pretty much everything continues to go up. And so I guess a little bit of mixed news for those on Social Security that you're going to get a bump, but it's only going to be for 3.2% going into 2024. Well, thanks so much for joining us uh, this week. We are uh, live from Nashville for probably at least the next two episodes. And if you are in the Nashville area and you want to connect, if you're someone in real estate, you're an investor in real estate, a real estate agent, you're somebody that's looking to buy a house and you want to connect with me, uh, send me an email, jameslparis at gmail.com. Remember, all of our content, all of our recommended links are at the website christianmoney.com. Thanks so much for joining us. 
God bless. I'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody. <laughs>